interracial couple with two kids wanting to do something that highlights the power of friendship and what it means to be in the company of true friends. We're going to move our society away and out of the loneliness epidemic and into a friendlier, happier world. Welcome to Our Friendly World. Better. Stronger. Together. Good morning. Welcome to Our Friendly World. This is Fawn and my cohort. Hey, it's Matt. Hi, everybody. So... Today, I want to start with a nugget. I have another nugget of gold. And it's by my family. Family as in same culture, same background. Why are you holding your mouth like that? You wanted me to be quiet. (laughs) No, I don't want you to be quiet. For the intro, you did. For the intro. Well, and also you were eating a muffin. Very, very tasty muffin. And our our beautiful mics were picking up every... (laughs) More so of sound. <laughs> Hence my hand over my mouth, woman. So our nugget for today, I was just going through some notes last night, and I came across all the things that I was writing a few years ago. And in the midst of that, I found a little piece of paper from Rumi. Here it is. Are you ready? He said, do not feel lonely. The entire universe is inside you. That's the nugget for today for every day. Today's episode is Unusual Friendships. It's about the whole concept of survival of the strongest, which later was termed uh, survival of the fittest, and how that is a total fallacy. It's not like that. And unfortunately, because it was a theory, it was Darwin's theory, and he himself said it's just a theory. I don't think this is necessarily the way, but it was just a, an idea. And everybody just ran with that. And we've been going with that this whole time. We've been using it in corporations, in families, in friendships. We've built our society all on this idea, this theory that is not correct. Because if you look at nature, you'll find that the opposite is true you'll find it's all about cooperation. We are interconnected. Just as one example, a few years ago, I saw this video of a wildebeest that was in the jaws of a crocodile. And someone caught this on video, and there are like so many videos like this. Yes, honey? Time out, a wildebeest. A wildebeest is an awful lot like, in my mind at least, like an ox. It looks like something like a horse or a donkey or a cross between a horse, a donkey, and like a zebra, right? Okay, fair enough. Go right. ahead, continue. That's, that's the I just want to make sure we're talking about the right animal. It's a big animal. Okay, it's a big animal, and he's hanging out inside of a crocodile? Well, the crocodile has snapped its jaws onto him, and he's pulled him into the water. And there are actually a few of these kinds of videos. So here's what happens. Whoever shot this, like, it, it was amazing because you see and it was a it was one of those tourists on safaris and they just happened to catch this moment so this wildebeest is inside the jaws of this crocodile this crocodile is taking this wildebeest down he's going to be eaten right all right and what's happening is all of a sudden you can see these ears perk up from from the water and it's hippos lots of them and i swear looking at it I heard them in my mind go, what? Oh, hell no. No. They immediately broke off into two groups, the hippos did. One surrounded the crocodile and the wildebeest. The others were just on guard, watching the whole thing. The ones that went towards the crocodile and the wildebeest, two or three of them, I couldn't see because you can't see underwater, but it looked like they were definitely doing something to the crocodile. Is that a train coming? That is a train. Okay, that freaked me out. Okay, so... (laughs) And there it is again. (laughs) These hippos were doing something to the crocodile, perhaps with their feet, with Mm -hmm. however way you say it for hippos, with their... Hooves, I don't know, their arms, yeah. (laughs) Underneath to, I don't know if they were punching the crocodile. (gasps) Whatever they were doing, they ended up separating the crocodile from the wildebeest, all right? Then 
the other group and then so they were able to separate the wildebeest okay get it out of the jaws of this crocodile then the second group of hippos that was waiting on guard waiting guard they step in or swim in and they surround the crocodile one group surrounded the crocodile and one group surrounded the wildebeest okay it was the the hippos that were standing guard took over and surrounded the wildebeest and escorted the wildebeest all the way to the other side of the river. And the other group surrounded the crocodiles and made sure that this crocodile was not going to approach this wildebeest. And they waited. Once the wildebeest reached uh, footing to be able to crawl out of the river, they watched it and made sure that the wildebeest walked away safely and the wildebeest did. Hmm. So if you want to talk about survival of the fittest, this is just one example that really struck me. Like it just, it, it made me cry with hopeful tears. That's what nature is. We're here to support each other. It's a cooperative world. It's a cooperative nature. Once I saw this, I started to look at more videos out there of this kind of thing happening. And I found so many. This whole lie that it's a doggy dog world that gotta keep up with the joneses that you have to you're on your own kid you you got to do it on your own just by your bootstraps what does that even mean by your, pull yourself up from your bootstraps no we're here to help each other and i'm not getting political here i'm just saying it is about humanity and the the key factor here is compassion compassion has a life force it's a glue and it's the foundation for love. Love doesn't last without compassion. Compassion is to care. It's to have concern and it's, it's about kindness. It's the ability to understand the emotional state of another and having the desire to help. Nature relies on cooperation and mutual aid, not competition. It's not about competing for survival we're here to help each other and to remember i mean one of the things that comes into play in my mind is when you look at survival of the fittest survival of the strongest it is basically saying that life is not valuable that everything is uh, disposable that life is disposable and that is the greatest lie all life is valuable we only there so there's this woman named <clears throat> excuse me her name was Rachel Carson and she wrote a book a long time ago called si a silent spring and this is a quote from her she said we only destroy the things that we don't value and from my perspective i think the way cultures around the world have treated life has been that it's not valuable and we're teaching each other, oh, no big deal if so many people die. No big deal. It's just what happens. That's nature. That's life. No. We're here to help each other. We're here to be together. We are here to work together. And all life is valuable. The hippos know it. The chimpanzees know it. That is our topic for today. Which is really cool. You're missing out on like literally the biggest kind of symbiotic relationship. You're going to love this. So bees and literally everything else from almonds to apples to pears to every kind of fruit you can imagine. Where would we be if, you know, it's uh, it's again mutually beneficial because we get tasty fruits. The plants get to the seeds, basically crossbreeding and the ants use the pollen to make honey. Bada bing, bada boom. The ants? I never knew. The I mean, I'm not sorry, not the ants. God, the bees. The bees okay. make the honey. Like, wow, how did the ants? The come ants in probably there, right? steal <laughs> the honey, but that's another story. Yeah, and if you were to look, so you're saying, so if you take the bee, and there's a picture of a bee, and then there's a picture of a person, if you're going to take survival of the strongest, who's the strongest? This big person or this three centimeter insect? Right. 
Yeah, it's like the story of the lion and the mouse, the mouse taking the thorn out of the lion's right. paw. absolutely. But now to circle back, let's circle back, because now I get to talk. So Rumi was a poet. He was a, he's an incredibly famous poet, Middle Eastern poet. My brother. So let's start there, because you didn't say who he was. Number two, Darwin didn't say survival of the strongest. He said that animals will fit whatever niche suits them or that they can fit into. And he came to this conclusion in the Galapagos because the Galapagos was its own little island, its own ecosystem, and it didn't have a lot of wildlife. And so you, he saw a lot of adaptation in very, very, very similar birds, and they did very different things. They had just adapted into those niches. Oops, sorry, I'm gesticulating with my hands and knocking microphones, this is pretty solid. Anyways, so he didn't necessarily say survival of the fittest, survival of the strongest. It was basically survival of the most adaptable, honestly. Maybe that came later, but I have it here that the original text was survival of the strongest. And well, there later, you go. Put it, put in place. Well, I'm not putting you in your place. I'm just saying. <laughs> Don't tell me you haven't heard survival of the fittest. Oh, everybody's right? heard That's survival what we of grew the fittest. Up Absolutely. That, Absolutely. That was drilled into us in school. Yes. Yes. And in competitions we compete for grades we compete for who can run the fastest we get gold medals we get you know science awards god help me i got a science award um you know uh, in marching band there is first chair and there is last chair it's just how it goes it's a pecking order wrestling teams same thing you've got your you've got your strongest guy in each weight class and you've got your alternate in each weight class plays you have your actors and your stand-ins you've got and on, on, on down the line, there's tons of competition. And that needs to stop. Because especially now, everything is breaking down. So many systems are changing and breaking down. In my point of view, breaking down. Right. Because this is not going to fly anymore. It's not. And I feel like people use it as a tool in politics. Because for me to say the whole bootstraps thing, I feel like it's a re very Republican thing to say. Is it? I don't know. Is it? Everybody, personally, this is my belief, should aspire to better. What does that mean? Whatever better means in your mind. That wasn't even a clear sentence. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. But everybody should aspire to something. Everybody should aspire to something, period. And theoretically, in their eyes, it should be something better. So, you know, even if I have 12 yachts, I should aspire to get a 13th. You're saying this is the way it should be? Well, I'm saying inside of people's heads. I'm not saying this is how but society is stacked. I'm saying that, in my mind at least, everyone should be pushing for more. Every, this is why I'm always learning. This is why I'm you know what? challenging myself to do more all the time. I'm getting angry right now. Uh-oh. Because that's why we're in the state we're in, because... I want it better. I want it bigger. That needs to stop. Now, I understand if it's, I want to be better educated. I want to learn more. I want to learn new things. I want to do more things. But to say, I want a bigger house. I, I need a bigger car. I need a this and a that. This is why we have problems. Because so you're saying it should be survival of the fittest. No, I'm not saying. That's I'm, what I'm hearing from you. I'm saying everyone should be operating at their maximum capacity. Everybody should be doing, trying to do the best they can do. Of course, why are we even talking about this? Exactly, and that's where I'm coming to yeah, it Yeah, but from. why did you like even say that, of course? Well, you asked for a clear definition. Yeah, because it just, oh, I feel like we're getting into a fight in front of our friends. <laughs> can we, please, we do this all the time. Get back to the point of the fallacy of survival of the strongest i loved your see now i'm now i'm really upset <laughs> i'm not saying are you trying to disprove what i'm no what, i'm not saying i'm gonna take something away from anybody else that's not what i'm saying at all i'm not saying it's about me pushing you down to lift myself up again that's not what i'm saying what are you saying i'm saying that um me personally, I'm always pushing forward. I'm always trying to push forward. This doesn't mean that I'm holding anybody back. 
This means I'm just pushing forward. There are things that I'm learning. There are things that I am reading. There are things that I am studying. There are things that I am, you know, physically doing to push my limits and my boundaries. I understand. But it's a very individual thing. Now, when we start talking about how to build friendships, how to build teams, how to build anything else. How to build our world is what I'm talking about. How to build about. our world. Exactly. It um, needs to be done in a cooperative way, much right. like our kids and the games we got them from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. It was not about competition. It was about working as a group to figure out a problem. Right. So we yeah. have this game everybody called um, one of the games. It's so cute. It's Mermaid Island. And you have to get these little mermaids to their island before the sea witch takes over the island. <laughs> before the sea witch gets to the island. <laughs> Which yes. always bothered me a little bit because why are we hating on this witch? Why Maybe the witch needs an island too. Where's the witch going to go? I always thought about that. But the whole point of it was... It's not one winner. We all have to strategize and step by step come up with the precise decisions, the best decisions along the way in order to get each little mermaid back home. Right. Right. And even even though I think our youngest had a favorite mermaid and she always wanted to get her favorite mermaid home first. <laughs> but we all had to work together to make right. sure that it was symbiotic. Right. Once she realized that her mermaid would get home if all three got home, then we were in a good place. So what we're going back to is compassion, the art of cooperation. Is that it? Is that the end of the show? We're done. Bye-bye. No, we're not done. Oh, silly, silly. Let's take it to work. Let's just take it to a work environment, right? So I work on a team. And on my team... There are various competing forces. I think at all job places, there are always competing forces. There's always management and labor, for instance. Management wants everybody to give 127%. And labor realizes that this is impossible. And it's about keeping spirits up. It's about clear communication. But ultimately, it's about you're working side by side with somebody, theoretically, unless you're a one-man show. But in my current situation, I'm working on a team and the team has, you know, various and sundry members. It's not about me winning. I mean, God help me. It's nice when I get a solitary win, but ultimately my wins are my boss's wins. Not that he'll take credit, but as a team, the team gets credit for everything the team does. And it's an understanding that if anybody on my team has a win, it's really mine too. But do they understand that? Because I think the problem comes when they take credit or or right. sometimes you're so stealthy in what you're doing and you make life so much easier. You write the code that makes things so easy for everyone to do their job mm -hmm. that you will tend to get ignored. I'm not saying you. That, I'm just that, saying one. And no, that can. has happened. And that's one of those things that I, I do cite now as being an area I need to work on for sure, which is you can't go in and say, I did this, it was so awesome, but it was really, really hard because nobody wants to hear that. But it's like you need to show your victories. You need to show the excitement of your victories and just, not show off per se, but just so that people have an understanding that, that you know, you've done something of substance. Can I interject? I mean, for someone that has ne never been able to really survive in a corporate culture. Right. Um, honey, you're just knocking everything I know. Me. I've never been able to have th the success that I wanted in a corporation because I've always had this attitude of cooperation. And I never, I never could fit into this whole mentality of doggy dog, doing your best to succeed at all costs to make it to this level. And sometimes I did make it to a level, I made it to a super high level at this one corporation. I went to board meetings and it was wonderful, but I did it in my own way and it caused such such problems within the people that were around me within that level right. because they couldn't understand how to, they couldn't understand how someone like me got in at that level. <laughs> Right, of course. And because I allowed myself to become hurt by that, mm -hmm. because I couldn't justify 
the the way I came in because it was so radically different than how they climbed up the ladder. Right. And I did it legitimately. I mean, it, I did it purely based on my talent, but I I made my own rules and was able to communicate them with the owner of the company. And the owner of the company respected that because I think at a certain level with this whole doggy dog mentality and the rules that people follow that's unspoken that they were all following when they realized I didn't do that they hated me for that right, right. but then the the owner of the corporation at the same time respected me for that and that's how I made it but I I couldn't hold that position because I allowed myself to feel bad I it was like being in a bucket of crabs the crabs I let the crabs pull me down until I said you know what this is not for me and right. I walked away right and I was also very young so now I would have done things differently. I would have made different decisions. Um, so the problem is that it's already ingrained in everything, this whole way, not the cooperative way. And I'm listening to you talk and I'm thinking, right. so basically all the weight is on one person to do the work quietly, to to lift everybody else up and make sure that their job is done, making sure the boss's job is done and he looks good, making sure the whole team looks good. And no one realizes, hey, this one person is actually holding us up because everybody has their head down and everybody's in survival mode, still going, going, going. They're not realizing it. If I can give you an example that you showed me when we were getting married, and so much was going wrong and there were so many details to take care of and people were showing their asses to us. <laughs> um, you said, let's take a look at what is going right because we're just seeing all the, all the alarms, right? Right. And you said, look at that cake. Look at that. The baker came in. We talked to him a month ago. We told him what we wanted. He heard what we wanted and we never heard from him again and voila there's a beautiful cake sitting quietly and beautifully poised on this pedestal and you said look at that though the successes are the quiet ones oftentimes yes i mean you said it in a different way do you remember what you said no i don't you okay. but basically you were saying to me is when you don't hear a bunch of conflict, when you don't hear a bunch of noise, that's when the success is happening. Right. So like, look for that, look for the quiet. The baker was quiet. Yes. Everybody else was like giving us lip service, constantly, constantly telling us, don't worry about it when we raised issues. Like, hey, it just seems like your, your timeline, the timeline we had, are you gonna make it in time? Or is this gonna happen? And they would say, don't worry about it. And there would be so much noise. <laughs> but we never heard, don't worry about it from the baker. He did his job and it was wonderful and it was perfect. He supported us. Right. And we couldn't see it because there was so much else going on. Wait, well, no, 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 time out. You couldn't see it. I'm sorry, you saw it. You saw I mean, it. You re remember our whole me. interaction but, with him, with the baker. We went into his kitchen. We talked to him. Or no, we talked to him beforehand. We went into his kitchen. We sampled a few cakes. We told him exactly what we wanted. We told him when and we told him where. And do you remember what he said? Tell me. I don't he know. literally said, like, no problem. He was like, no problem. I know the place. It'll be done. He didn't say you know, I'm going to have to look it up and we'll see. Or he gave us no indication that he wasn't on it completely and utterly competent. And so we're good. Now, in, in a work situation, there are certain tasks that I get that I get to act like the baker. I get to say, you got it, no problem. Can I just say something, though? Mm -hmm. I think the problem is if one person is cooperatively enhancing everything, it there's a lot of pressure there's a lot of weight on that one person true we need to change the culture where everybody is playing the cooperative game and well, i don't think that's happening right but let's let's 
So I started a job recently. Literally, the first thing I did is every interaction I had with everybody, I tried to understand where they were at. I tried to reiterate what they're thinking. I, I, you know, it's, it's about me making everyone's lives easier. Yes, absolutely. So they can make my life easier too. I'm setting a standard. I'm, re I'm showing the bar. I'm letting them know what's acceptable and not acceptable as far as the interactions we should have. So go ahead. My interjection is I want to go in these corporations and instead of having team building things where you go skydiving or you go zip lining <laughs> or you know you walk over the hot coals which is just to, in my mind adding so much more stress to people than they already have stress at work for various different reasons i want to go in and in a very calm and happy way make it so that everybody is on track in this cooperative game everybody needs to be thinking that right and trust me i get it thinking to, that way do you am i yes myself to me clear? a team building experience starts with an icebreaker tell everybody something about yourself then it's here are our mutual goals how are we going to get there and then the boss needs to if there is a boss he needs to shut up he should have been completely open during the icebreaker and told some really bizarre almost humiliating thing about himself and then he should be quiet and he should let the group come up with decisions the problem that we have oftentimes in bigger companies is the boss is like "Ooh, i'm the boss i get to survey all i'm king and there's a concept called the servant leader where the higher you get in an organization, the more people ultimately you are serving inside of your organization. And Much you like to, politics, right? True. You're truly a servant to the public. Right. So servant, public servant. Servant leader. These are, I, I, I don't want to work for a company that doesn't aspire to that, that doesn't aspire to the, having the big boss. Ultimately speaking, yes, the buck stops here, but, but so does everything. And they need to be conscious of the fact that, um, you know, so-and-so wants to have a baby or is having a baby and, and how to make that the best experience possible. You know, so-and-so gets sick somehow. How can you help them? How can you relieve their stress? So-and-so is stressed. You know, instead of just kind of saying, well, sucks to be you, I guess. It's so back to me again, when I'm on a team, it's like I let people know that I see them, I hear them, I want to help them. And that's where I live. That's my zone. So we have different roles. We have quality assurance. This is a guy who goes in and tries to blow up my code. God bless him. This is not an antagonistic relationship. This is a relationship where this person is going to make me look good. Awesome. Love him for that. Project manager. This is not somebody who's telling me what to do. This is somebody with which I collaborate to figure out what makes sense, what's going to ultimately speaking make our client happy because I am ultimately a servant of our client. And it's coming to an understanding that, you know, at the end of the day, you're serving a lot of people even as a you know even as a just a just a, another developer on a team you know had a meeting with my boss on friday what do i do so we have our meeting we go back and forth we argue we discuss we cajole we go through personal stories whatever it is we do after that meeting is done i'm not finished until i type up my notes and i send them to him just to make sure we're on the same page so that we can both refer back to this document and say we're moving in the same direction because ultimately speaking that's what we want to do a rising tide raises all ships is the man it should be the mantra is my mantra so ultimately speaking the more person am the better person and my team gets the more they can contribute, the better I get, the more I can contribute. 
and coming into it without a selfish agenda. It's not about, I want to take all these good tasks and do these really awesome things and raise my hand to the big boss and say, I am king. No, it's about making sure the whole team does more and better and rises up. And if I work for a company that doesn't recognize that, I need to move on. It's just one of those things. In the same way, in personal friendships and relationships, ultimately speaking, if it's too one-sided, and oftentimes it can, it can be one-sided for lengths of time, but if it's always and forever one-sided, it's not a friendship I want. It's not a healthy friendship. So there needs to be some semblance of equality. There needs to be some give and take. For sure. And if you don't have that, you have to rely on your own universe inside you until you find others around you that are cooperating like that. Definitely true. That are compassionate. Definitely true. Which is what we've had to do right. over and over again. Sometimes there's nobody around. Right. Sometimes you are the only person. And going back to Rumi, you have to look at the universe inside you. And you have everything inside yourself. And it's in that moment of quiet where you can reflect and think about what it is you want to create and how you want to play the game, you know, the game of life or the game of the office and really think about what you want to create. Once that's clear to you, then it will come. Do you find that corporations have that cooperative feel? Or do you feel like we have a long ways to go? I'm not talking about your job. I know, but the answer is... I want is, you to take an overview of how it is around the world. Right. I mean, the answer is always it depends. One of my favorite things I like to ask people when you really start thinking about what a team culture looks like or is, is would you rather work at an evil company for a great boss or would you rather work at a great company for an evil boss? Everybody always comes down on the side of a good boss. A good boss protects you. A good boss nurtures I, you. A good boss fills, you know, helps you. I, I would choose, I would like to work for a good company with a bad boss because I think that that bad boss will go. People switch jobs all the time or things change all the time. But at the core, I think that if the company at its core is good, then it will be good. But if you are going to attract more people underneath you, if that boss keeps hiring people like himself, then yeah, then the company is in trouble. But if the company as a whole is good and it's just that one boss, right? I think we can maneuver around the boss. See, and that's, that's interesting because now that I'm, I like to call it spending a brain cell, really thinking about it. So this is taking an actual moment and saying, let me think about this with new knowledge, with new thoughts. I start, I start to think maybe it doesn't matter either way because I think if you work for a good boss, yes, there is a chance that they could be replaced because, you know, they're not as cutthroat as everyone else or in their ways will change the culture of the company that they're working at, particularly if they're humongously successful, particularly if I help them become humongously successful. Flip that to, I work at a good company for a bad boss. And by the way, right now I work for a good company for, for a good boss. But um, if I work at a good company for a bad boss, that's a teachable moment. That's teachable for me. I can teach my boss how they should act. But if it's a bad boss, the bad boss won't hear it. Well, you can't teach him. It depends. You can't teach every every situation. You can't is change different. people. No, but you can show them different ways. What if they're not open to seeing it? Then, ultimately speaking, and that's a bad boss right there. Ultimately speaking, then they'll probably end up getting replaced, not get a good boss anyway. So, boom, boom. Unless they fire you. Unless they fire me, yes. But fortunately, because I'm such a good guy, um, I'll be fine. But we're not just talking about you. I'm just I talking about the culture. I, but it's, again, it's a teachable moment. You know, it's an opportunity for me to do things like 
type up my notes from a meeting and let them know exactly what I heard them say. I just think the state of the world these days, Yes. why things are the way they are and there's so much unemployment, everything is breaking down, everything's on fire. Right. I think this is the opportunity to really turn things around and live a different way. It is. And think a different way. It is one of these moments that shockingly is happening with a lot of frequency, but it's it's a moment where it feels like the, the rule book of society is kind of being thrown. And it's good. I mean, it's not good because it's very scary for everyone. Super scary. Very, very disheartening. Yes. But if you think about another example, like finding a vaccine to this pandemic, before I think... I know from because I, I because I love reading about scientists. There are some scientists that I adore. I'm so fascinated by them. One of them is Dr. Candace Pert, and she was working on the AIDS vaccine. She passed away a few years ago, but I I noticed how there's such intense competition amongst scientists. They'll even try to sabotage one another so they can win at all costs, that they are the ones who come up with something. And it's not a cooperative kind of a thing where you're trying to help out humanity. It's win it. And what, you know, when this pandemic first started, I was hearing that all these scientists are working together. All the countries are working together to come up with the vaccine. It wasn't about who's gonna do it first. Let's just figure out a way to stop this pandemic. Now, I don't know if that's still happening, mm-hmm. but that was out there. That was that was out there. That was like the common goal, like a cooperative game. Right. Uh, no, and absolutely. I was so happy to hear that. But it, it, it just feels like it's a seesaw, like it keeps going back and forth. So I don't know what's happening right now. I'm here to bring that issue up and have that conversation and keep saying the word cooperation until it actually happens on a large scale around the world. Right. Because we are now in a situation where one thing happens in a tiny little town over here, well, the same thing automatically is happening on the other side of the globe in a tiny little town over here. We're interconnected. We're interconnected with the internet we're interconnected with our emotions. When something happens, we get the news right away from places we were never able to hear from 50, 60 years ago. We are completely interconnected on so many levels, psychically, emotionally, physically. One crop goes bad over here, it affects the other side of the world. Someone has a huge storm hit, it affects everybody. One person's pain will be felt by someone else. I think we are vibrational beings. We are, we are unlimited beings, not just humans, but interconnected, all creatures, all life. And we need to work together right now. We need to stop working the same way. The old way isn't working anymore. I saw this years ago and I realized whenever I was looking for a mentor and I could never find one, it was because things are changing so fast that no one has the answers. You can't turn to an elder for them to say, this is what's going to happen. This is the way it's always happened. Let me show you. They don't know either. So we all need to work together. Well, yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to argue that we're kind of trotting unknown ground, it seems like, every day. But you're right. Again, looking around, working with, not against, everyone around you is a surer way to success, for sure. Uh, We take a look at the sequencing of the human genome, for instance. This was done, I think, by all kinds of people, and the data was made available to all kinds of people. And from that, we're we're probably going to get insights into corona, but that gave us insights into figuring out what the AIDS virus was, et cetera, et cetera. There is a lot of collaboration. There is a lot of sharing of information. Absolutely. It's the people who 
who take this shared information and then hide it away. Because they're, they're the trying to control. Because exactly, they're trying to control. They're trying to make profit, but it that has become harder and harder because as people do things like that, then they get locked out of the open information later too. And those are the old leaders. And I'm not talking about age, but that's the old paradigm. Right. How do we how do we go from here? How do we make this happen? Well, there's all kinds of companies which are trying to do good. And I think that there's more and more every day. And as this as this philosophy, as this thought grows, as compassionate as the compassion grows we're gonna see improvements. It's just what's going to happen. And there's gonna be companies that masquerade as altruistic that aren't, of course. And there are companies that are gonna silently do really good work. And there are gonna be companies, huge flashy companies that are going to do good. And that's just what it is. And I think at some point the world will realize we have to work together. I think hopefully they'll realize that now because it's not working. Right. So we need each other. Yes. And talking about people who are in the cracks, the people who are always ignored, that we depend on, the grocery store workers or the janitors, you know, Mm -hmm. realizing that we all have value, much like what I was saying before, we were trained, taught that it doesn't matter. Not everything is valuable. You're dispensable. It's the whole throwaway culture. Yes. That needs to be really talked about. That is disgraceful. And it is being addressed. Is it? Yes, fast fashion is slowly, slowly dying, but it is dying. What fashion? Fast fashion. What's fast fashion? Oh, sorry. I get all my news from England, so I, 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 I use British terms, but there are clothing companies. There's a Spanish oh, yeah. one. Like not quality? Well, not quality, but also... They release stuff, different stuff, radically new stuff, very fashionable stuff, like every two or three weeks. So, and they get rid of old stuff super fast. So it's fast. So this is what's hip now, boom, it's in the store. This is what's hip now, boom, it's in the store. And there's a lot of people, companies made a lot of money doing that because, oh my goodness, I can get a blah, blah, just like so-and-so wore. Short-term thinking. Right. Not long-term. How is this going to affect... People are realizing when like the thrift stores are filling up with people's old clothes and the clothes are disintegrating and, and these companies are going out of business because people are stopped. People are, people are, people have stopped. People are really now thinking through their lives, you know, particularly in the age of the pandemic. It's not about dressing myself today. It's about dressing for life. It's their things for life. It's not about getting that cute top for today. It's about having clothing that is going to, you know, I'm going to have for a very, very long time, which is kind of changing people's mindsets, changing people's minds, if you will. Like when we got married, we spent $500 on pots and pans. And I was so scared. I'm like, oh my God, that's half a thousand dollars. (gasps) But it's been a couple decades and they're still in perfect condition. Right. And they will probably be passed on to our kids. We never had to buy another pan or another pot. Yes. No, absolutely. And that's indicative. But but yeah, I understand the businesses saying, well, they never bought another pot. So how do they stay in business? But you got to figure it out. You're smart enough to create products you're smart enough to control people into constantly buying make them emotional make them fearful so they buy so they feel better if you're smart enough to do that figure it out figure it out so what you create in the world helps the world and doesn't add a bunch of trash that doesn't even get recycled that's just thrown in a dump true where do we go from here we can we can end it with a bunch of pithy sayings. No, like, I don't want to do that. Be the change no. you want to see, or Ugh, but it, it's true. It is true, but I, I I want to just figure it out. I don't want to throw out some sayings. I don't want to just talk about it. Can we have a challenge? Can what we, kind can of we, a challenge? Well, I would love to hear what other people think. I want to hear ideas on how we can change. How from this conversation about 
cooperation, compassion, and about the value of all life, the value of every life, the bee, the butterfly, people, the environment. All life is valuable. So how can we, with compassion, completely at the core of everything, what can we do? What little things can we all do with our own individual talents to guide things along? Because I think we're at the perfect place in history to turn things around, to turn the environment around, to turn our relationships around, to really make this world perfect. I'm not saying that we won't have trouble, but I'm saying it'll be so great. We have the opportunity here for such greatness. And when I'm listening to you talk, I feel like when you're, especially in corporations, it doesn't seem like all corporations and everyone who works in them has that mentality in mind because I still feel, especially now because there is so much fear going on in the world, everyone is in survival mode. And when you're in survival mode, you don't have the capacity to look outside yourself to make things better for someone else. You just are in it to survive. Hence, survival. Right, absolutely. So what can we do? Email us with little tiny ideas to make little changes every day until we get this ball really rolling. Right. No, I got you. I think the first thing, honestly, is you have to see everybody. I mean, like, see everybody and hear everybody. And that's a first step. Paying attention to trifles. Well, that, that's not a trifle. That's the utter opposite. And that's not O-sensei. That's Miyamoto Musashi. But that's another okay. story. Shimon Takizo. It's about... It's about seeing and hearing people around you. And it's about understanding that there's going to be people around you in pain. Statistically speaking, it's just how it's going to go. And you may not understand it and you may not see it and you may not hear it because they don't talk about it because we all need to be strong and all the rest of it. But people will tell you. And it's about recognize, recognizing people for who and what they are. Again, I believe everybody has a story to tell and a really interesting one, at least one. And I believe that everyone has an interest that is just going to blow your mind if you let them, if you talk to them, if you share, they will share. If you listen, they will talk. And that's a good place to start. And that's how you build relationships. This is how you build connections to people and once the person understands that you're standing with them you're not necessarily standing against anyone but you're standing with them then they are more likely to stand with you and they will feel more and more comfortable to stand with you and they will pay attention and help you with those areas that they can and you can help them in the areas that you can Again, rising tide raises all ships. And it's about being in a place where people feel comfortable, that they're not going to feel judged, that they're not going to feel less for saying they don't know something. It's about drawing strength from this. It's about having an understanding that it's an opportunity for growth as opposed to I can't believe you don't know the colors of the rainbow or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. You know, it's about understanding that any moment can turn into a teachable moment. You can devastate somebody in that exact same moment. And it's about making the better choice. And it's about people that you care about. It's about showing them. It's about telling them that you do. Uh, we started our recording late today, hon. How come? Well, first of all, we started late because, once again, I went to bed really late. <laughs> so I couldn't wake up exactly on time to start all the routines. 
And I came into the room. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. I hadn't had any water. I was just ready to go. I picked up my phone to make sure it was on silent mode, and I noticed Holly had called me. And so Holly is one of my best friends. Because she's an hour behind, I noticed she had called me really early in the morning. So I just had a sense like I need to call her right away. So I did. So we ended up talking for a while. My friend needed me. So I wanted to, that was the most important thing. Exactly. And that's the point. The relationships in our lives should be the most important thing. So I have a challenge that I came up with. Oh, here we go. So this is beautiful what you're saying. Completely on board. My challenge would be take the 90 seconds. Remember how I said if you have an emotion that's charged or something uncomfortable, if you allow yourself to feel it for 90 seconds, the chemistry will actually leave your body. It takes 90 seconds. If you allow yourself to fully experience and feel something completely, For 90 seconds, it will have left you. Look at someone for 90 seconds. Maybe you can take their chemistry and release it for them by just seeing them for 90 seconds without immersing any part of you into them. Selflessly just watching and looking and hearing and seeing for 90 seconds straight one particular person Mm -hmm. a day. Go to befriendlyworld.com. Email us your experience. Let us know. You're looking at me all weird. What what does that look for? Did I not say the website right? What did you say? Be Friendly World. Okay. Our show, our podcast is Our Friendly World, but it's Be Friendly World. www.com. My, my wife does all the technical stuff, so I don't know what's going on. Oh, my God. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> By the way, I created the website. It was not Matt. The code poet. I did that. The non-artistic code poet, apparently. The, the non-technical person over here, me, I put the website together. So bear with me, okay? Don't judge. Just, just go to the website. And there you go. There's another good point. You know, uh, appreciate it for what it is and don't judge it for what you think it isn't. If you have a suggestion, obviously, at least this is always nice, but not if you're like, oh God, I can't believe you use CSS instead of SAS or anything else. <laughs> Irrelevant. So www.be friendly, spelled normally, world.com. Solid. All right, be good. Take the 90 seconds and we'll talk to you in a few days. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>